Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler on uh, Thursday, September 14th. Joined uh, in Los Angeles, as always, by Elaine Lowe and Richard Rushfield, who uh, not only brought back a Hooters t-shirt from uh, TIFF, but also a little bit of the TIFF flu there. Richard, are you doing all right? A passing stomach bug. You can't be... You've got to come back from the festival with some with something. Sort of, yeah, exactly. A, a little little piece of you missing. Uh, yeah, I had a couple of couple other friends who came back to New York, uh, not feeling so great. So you know, it's glad to see that the film festival traditions are, are holding tight there. Elaine, I know you bet your your whole Ankler paycheck on Aaron Rodgers getting a season passing record this year, but you know, just just not to be. You, you doing okay there? This is football yes <laughs> <laughs> okay fine maybe maybe our guest here today we have a, another member of the ankler family here peter Kiefer. also uh peter will you did you understand that reference i'll put it that way i did i did i i, I was i was watching the um hard knocks and uh, jesus i mean just tragic absolutely tragic I, I, as and i say that as a cal berkeley alumni uh so it's uh particularly particularly painful for us bears <laughs> there you go so Richard, we had a, another week of uh, investment banker conferences. I, I know you're very excited about that. Uh, yeah. Goldman last week, B of A this week. How's the food? <laughs> I did not get a food report. That was oddly not part of the coverage. So clearly they were lacking from your presence. All that journalism. Exactly. The more top studio execs taking the stage, a little more the CFO variety this week. And you know, Richard, it's funny whenever you know they're being interviewed by Wall Street analysts, you know, on the stage there and. Whenever they ask them about the strike, they're like, kind of like, I hate to ask you this, as if they're like, this isn't a big part of their business or something. It's almost like the tone of it is very, it's very interesting to hear Wall Street kind of like, they, oh, you don't want to upset, you know, the the studio people by asking about their strike. That's not a legitimate issue for uh, captains of industry to be bothered with. That's uh, yeah. don't don't disturb their day with these peasants marching on the sidewalks in front of their. Their beautiful studio. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry, Lord, about the you know the people outside your your castle gates, but uh, we do have to we have to acknowledge them. But uh, you know, again, Richard, once again, the same well wishes and platitudes that are just increasingly, if not even a hundred percent, disconnected with where the reality is at this point. Uh, shocking for Wall Street, I know. Um, but and you were, I want to touch a little bit in your column to start here, and then we'll get on to. Peter and Elaine's piece this week, which is really fascinating read. And then, of course, the AMPTP uh, put out a note saying the WGA had reached out to them, I think, yesterday or on Wednesday, saying they wanted to meet. So uh, they are going to put something together next week, a date TBA, uh, but they're going to get back in a room. Um, more details there to come. It's almost evolving to be like a, a like the playground where like, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. Like this, I, it's, it's kind of baffling or where, where, where's your head at right now? Yeah. I mean, this is what I said in my piece is that neither side has any message that they're putting out or, you know, they may issue press releases somewhere about it, but they have no message control over either side about the actual issues at stake here. And what, you know, if, if, if we were having a, a back and forth about, uh, about data transparency or about the use of AI or something like that, 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 that would be one thing. And, and at this point that while, while people are really suffering, I mean, I hear, I, I have stories of people, many stories of people leaving California without much hope that they'll ever be able to come back. I have, I heard about an assistant that's gone on food stamps today. I hear people really uh, considering having to give up their home, having to give up their uh, children's schools, I mean, all these things. And not just the Writers Guild members, the thousands of other people who 
have been uh, are out of work because of this. And in the middle of that, we're talking about whose turn it is. And I, I, I recognize these are important procedural matters that that have that have to go through. This should not be other. The rest of the industry should not be asked asked to stand uh, to to give up a year of income because over a fight over whose turn it is to present something. So what I, I what I have suggested in the past before is uh, if we had any actual leaders anywhere around around here, not just in the industry, but in the country, um, you know, someone like Gavin Newsom would say, so I have reserved, uh, as you say, I've reserved a conference room at the Universal Hilton for 11 a.m. on Friday. Uh, everybody who's interested in solving this should be there. And let, we will we will be taking role and noting who is not there because uh, it's 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 ridiculous that we that at this point we're still at this level of conversation. Richard, another stat that or thing I put in the, in the wake up this week was I think it was you know forty four million dollars has been withdrawn from retirement funds for across you know IATSE for any t- entertainment professionals. I mean that's people are taking out their retirement money to a tune of forty four million dollars. Which you know is the believe where the CEO pays at and that kind of thing, but it's like Elaine, this you know, these I mean, you must be getting more stories as well. I know this is clearly your day in and day out here, so uh, please uh, chime in here. It's been a tough couple of weeks, I think, for everyone. We've talked about this before: the psychological turning point that Labor Day represented, coming around the bend. Everybody's anxiety, I think, has increased. People are rallying. There were two big rallies this week. There was a showrunner solidarity rally at Fox, which had a huge turnout, over 650 people between WGA members and SAG-AFTRA members. There was the the, the enormous SAG-AFTRA rally from Netflix to Paramount yesterday. And, you know, they, they really rallied the troops and people are still intent on buckling down. Privately through email, I hear a lot of people who are demoralized, who, you know, fully support the strike, but still have financial realities that they have to face. You know, again, I've heard from people who are considering leaving, who are are talking each other off the proverbial ledge, as they put it, and are trying to figure out how to still, you know, earn income for themselves and whether they have a proper career in the industry after this is all over, uh, depending on whether they can can hang tough. Folks I've talked to on the WGA side, um, you know, in terms of membership, you know, uh, say that they were the last ones to counter. And, um, you know, forgive me, I'm not aware of the exact procedural terms. So, you know, they say that the the formal counter proposal that they offered on the 15th was the last ball in the court, right? And, uh, and, and the AMPTP is insisting that their last outreach um, on the 18th of August uh, was was a proper counter. So that's where we are. That was a month ago. Basically. Yeah, that was yeah, that was essentially a month ago. It is now September 14th. We are on day 136 of the writer strike. This is outrageous that a month later they can't get past whose turn it is. Just talk about what it is you want and 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 your issues or why you can't give that or what's what's a better proposal and like pick one issue, you know, to start with. Like, you know, as you said, Richard, so much on the table, but start with something. This isn't a winning message for the writers guild. This isn't a way to solve it. They need to get beyond this procedural stuff. And then, you know, I I, I wrote the I wrote my piece this week about uh how how depressing it was that this is where we're at, just arguing about whose turn it is. And as if on cue we respond with a, you know, three days of whether Kenya Barris wanted to have a meeting to complain or why he was, whether he was suckered into it or 
also not a, not a winning argument for anyone here. Yeah, this uh, good leading to Peter here. So you know, this is the week of the you know the showrunners getting involved, Peter. But why don't you set up uh, what you know what your piece was about and, and where we're at with this, with this whole situation with the showrunners at this point? Yeah, it, a little over a week ago, there was a, a news started circulating um, amongst uh, a journalists, our, ourselves included, that uh, a, a, a meeting was in the works that had been uh, prompted by um, a certain number of very powerful showrunners in the industry. At one point, it was said to be around 30 uh, or 40 even showrunners who had asked the Writers Guild um, to to sit down and talk to them because they and the way it was framed originally was that these showrunners were 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 upset uh, and, and, and angry with the way things were going. This uh, came um, shortly after a number of very, very high profile overall deals um, at a number of uh, the networks had been canceled. We're talking, you know, J.G. Abrams, we're talking titans of this town so it stood to reason that people were going to get even more upset about the state of the strike so uh the, the thought was there was this big this big meeting was going to go down and the uh we the journalists were all scrambling to try and figure out what was happening and the way that the whisper campaign started and the way it was sort of explained to us was that the the, the most powerful members of the guild were fed up and that they were going this was this was the sign that they were going to break uh with the guild leadership and that this so quote unquote solidarity within the guild was was finally a, sh- a, a cracking. Turns out that story wasn't totally true, and the story, as Elaine can attest, uh, changed about every twenty minutes. It felt like uh, the number of writers, um, uh, showrunners that were ultimately asking for the meeting turned out to be just two. Uh, that was um, uh, Kenya Barris and Noah Hawley. Uh, apparently there maybe at one point there was a meeting scheduled. We don't entirely know. We fe- there's been reports that there was a meeting scheduled for last Friday, uh, and then the big sort of the big scandal occurred when um, news broke that the Writers Guild uh, ultimately canceled the meeting at the last minute, and a, another news outlet uh, uh, quickly wrote the story that the, when the Writers Guild canceled this meeting on Noah Hawley and Kenya Barris. That um, Kenya got very, very upset. There was screaming phone calls, uh, all of this stuff. It turns out that that probably didn't happen either. Um, Kenya has not come out and said anything publicly, as far as I know. Uh, We've tried to talk to him. Anyway, so Elaine and I spent um, uh, a few days trying to figure out what really happened here. And we put together a story that came out yesterday. What turns out there, yes, there was a talk of a meeting. Yes, it seemed like there was one that was scheduled for Kenya and Noah. Uh, it, it was canceled, but according to our sources, it was actually Noah and Kenya uh, who canceled the meeting. And that's when the story gets kind of complicated and weird. Th- the reason they, they they canceled it was because they started to sense that this whole thing was some sort of a setup hmm. uh, in a weird way that was in, in some ways orchestrated by a couple of talent agents. Kenya and and Noah Hawley aren't themselves saying that that's that's others that's that's other people's uh what what other people are saying about about uh where they were coming from again th- th- we we noah and kenya had never publicly stated they they that they were setting this meeting because they were upset about anything one side was saying um that actually we just wanted to have an informational meeting we wanted to figure out where things stood it seems appropriate for us to find out where the guild leadership is at this point in time and then other whispers and and sources were coming and saying no 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 this is this is them going. Hey, we're fed up with this strike. You guys are not doing a good job uh, working on behalf of the Writers Guild, and we want we want this thing over with. We're fed up with this, and so 
uh, it was all very unclear. Ultimately, what happened, the meeting was canceled. And um, it, it turns out that a number of the writers who had banded together are on a, a, a single WhatsApp um, <laughs> thread. An enormous WhatsApp. An enormous WhatsApp thread with like about 450 different writers who are sharing information, talking to one another, trying to sort of rally the troops here and there. A lot of this stuff was playing out on that WhatsApp uh, channel. Some of the communications were shared with me and with Elaine. And ultimately, there was a general sense within that thread that they, th no meeting can occur because of the optics surrounding it. Um, it could be too easily uh, uh, spun and portrayed as the powerful group of Writers Guild members splintering off and finally saying enough is enough. As far as we can tell, there was an effort to try and get some of the showrunners to break and to tell the leadership of the guild that they were fed up with it. And the people that were trying to do that were several uh, a, a prominent talent agents in the industry who had uh, their ear. You know, it just seems to me, again, this writer's guild is so brittle about these things. And like, if, if a bunch of people want to have a meeting with you to complain uh, to you, then they're prominent members of your group. Have a meeting with them. Like, what, what, what's you're, you're saying it could be spun and turned into something bad. Uh, unlike this PR miracle we're seeing this week instead of that, like agreed. And and please don't make me defend the way the Writers Guild has been handling their their public relations on this thing. However, I, I will note, I think one of the, f the fears that they had was that if you go back historically and you know this, Richard, in 2000 and 2007, 2008, part of the reason that 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 strike ended the way it did was because some of the companies were able to convince the powerful members of their guild to go to the leadership and and try and convince them that, that a deal needed to be struck. So I think they wanted to avoid a repeat of history in that way. And I think that there's a little bit of a, a wound surrounding the idea that the most powerful members are going to break off and try and uh, create a deal on the, on on their terms. I, I don't think that uh, incident would have been avoided if the Writers Guild had just refused to meet with them at that time. Like I could have had an even worse outcome. And I think just... I mean, who is Chris Kaiser, the Pope here that you have, you have to get blessed by 50 Monsignors before you're allowed to have a, a meeting with him? It's it's uh, again, every day, every second they're talking about this, they're not talking about the effect of AI or they're not talking about data transparency or they're not talking about what the proper cost of living adjustment is. I mean, I think the whole kerfuffle around all the back and forth and the fact that it rose to prominence enough that several outlets, including ourselves, including the New York Times, decided to do a TikTok on this meeting that maybe was going to happen that didn't happen, that is maybe still happening on Friday. Uh, I think it all just speaks to a dearth of information that people have had in recent weeks. And there's just a real hunger for information, a hunger for updates and that's why this situation got as much attention as it did, regardless of what actually happened. But at the bottom of that, I, I don't I don't think this is an illegitimate story. Like if a bunch of prominent members of the guild wanted to meet to meet with the leadership, either to complain or to give them a medal for their heroism, which it, whatever it is. I mean, that's that's a legitimate story. And if they refuse to meet with them, that's that's a very legitimate story. That It's not just that's not just journalists. uh you know, creating something uh, out, of, out of whole cloth there. No, but I think there are just so many likely sidebar and back channel conversations that are happening at any given time that this particular one happened to be the one that rose to uh, press attention. That's it's just I'm sure there's a volume of back channel conversations going on. Like why this one? 
Yeah, I totally agree with Elaine. I think that this was also yeah, this is a function of this stage of a strike where there's a vacuum of information and coupled with a, a, a deep sense of distress and desperation to try and figure this thing out. And when you those when those two things collide and you don't have the adults actually sitting down like Richard is saying and actually trying to figure out this problem, you've got these sort of kind of ridiculous, you know, stories that emerge that are, you know, that the press jumps on because we're, there's tons of reporters that are reporting on this and trying to figure this out. But I, I agree with you, Richard. It's like, is this really where the energy should be being spent? No, it shouldn't. And it's a sign of the failure of, of where these two sides are in this whole process. Yeah, I mean, vacuums will be filled eventually, you know, to Elaine, you know, your point, it's been we're going on three, if not four weeks here. It's like, well, you had Labor Day and people kind of, you know, and now at a certain that's gone in the rear view. The desperation is coming in and, you know, without movement of any kind, which and any any conversation becomes 10 times more important now because there's lack of any other conversation going on, Elaine, to an extent, right? The, the rumor mill is churning. It's like, right, right. God, every day, how many things do each of us hear here? <laughs> about what's maybe going on, about who's maybe talking about who, about who's potentially upset. And you have to sort of figure out, okay, which of these threads is really worth following and which of these is newsworthy and which of these contributes to the greater conversation that we're having about this point in time and which one of these things is simply addresses uh, uh, you know, the vacuum of information that Peter was talking about. And to that point, this this whole at this whole effort that we put in, it 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 seemed crazy to me and and Elaine, and Elaine and I discussed this that it, all it took was for a few of these spokespeople uh, and or even the actors themselves to to talk to us and tell them what tell us what is actually going on <laughs> but trust me to everyone listening to this we tried on so many occasions to try and get so many occasions all, all of the parties involved uh, to talk to us and we got a few to, and we uh, enough that we could actually piece together uh, our best version of what actually happened. Like in, in, in addition to this vacuum of information, you've got a bunch of journalists going out there trying to figure these things out. And there's just no one is helping us piece these things together. But that that's going to lead to more some bad journalism, which is going to lead to bad messaging, which ultimately can lead to this thing going on for longer than it needs to go on. Well, you know what? I would say that a spokesperson's job is actually to respond to press queries. And understandably, there's an amount of information that you're willing to part with as a spokesperson on behalf of whatever entity it is you're working for. And that's fair. But it's it's nice to get a straightforward answer of we decline to comment or, you know what, we will talk to you and we will put somebody on the phone so, so you can have somebody on the record. But it is an entirely different thing when you are either hearing back sporadically or essentially being ghosted by entities. And it doesn't help it doesn't help the flow of information. And it certainly doesn't help the quality of journalism that comes out of this. And I think a lot of us are doing the job as responsibly as we know how. Uh, and it's, so it's not helpful to get a sense of things and then to continually hit a brick wall when you're trying to get something confirmed or corroborated. Because there is a pretty high bar that you have to clear in order to to print something. Yeah. And Richard, on the other side of it, one of the last words from the WGA was a sense of, you know, any AMPTP members who want to talk individually, you know, we're, we're open. I haven't. It just didn't seem a serious way of approaching that. Just right. like announcing like anyone who would like to be divided and conquered we're here to divide and conquer so uh give us show our office hours at 9 a.m it's like the the idea that there are studios that 
really, really, really want to sign a separate deal with them, but they can't because they're locked into AMPT's procedure. I just, if if they wanted to make a deal, they'd make a deal. Yeah, and I think both of these things might speak to just looking for something and they're looking backward. And what happened last time? And Peter, as you said, it was A, the showrunners came together and B, but also happened side deals were made before the final deal was made. Um, so people are looking at those two tactics now of like, well, what if we go back to the way it ended last time? And now, but those things just aren't applying to this dynamic. At the bottom of it, from from what you hear in the rumors, which you know, God knows, it seems like they're down to a, a couple issues, basically. Like, like they're basically down to room size and the the data transparent transparency. And AI. And AI is probably still on there too. Yeah. So maybe three issues. Really hard to believe that if you lock everyone in a room for a day and you say, we're going to solve this, that they couldn't come to some middle ground or say, you're giving up on that one. We're giving up on this one. That That is a uh, unbridgeable gap between the two sides. If they stop uh, arguing about who's tr- about, about process and uh, talk about the issues, confounds me that they're not able to even begin these conversations. Your leader must emerge somewhere. You know, I will also say that this environment of muffled information only contributes to distrust in the media, too. Like, Peter and I worked very hard (laughs) to try and figure out things this week, as we do every week. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like we're in an increasingly fragile environment for writers and actors and anybody who's reading any of the press coverage that comes out of this. And and that part is just really disheartening. Um, Anybody want to go see a haunting in Venice this weekend? <laughs> Should we do a, a group ankler trip to a murder mystery? Will, the, will, will that help, help the situation? I'm in. <laughs> we got one. Uh, my kids have been watching One Piece on Netflix, which is... Which, which just got renewed. Uh, pretty great uh, kids entertainment, I got to say. So, Peter, Elaine, anything else you guys watching and enjoying yourselves the, to, to get little breaks from this? I just finished Severance. That's how far behind I am, and how uh, <laughs> on the beating pulse of of, of the entertainment industry. <laughs> oh, I'll top you there. I'm still finishing up season three of Ted Lasso. <laughs> All right. Oh, yes. I still don't know who shot Jr. <laughs> it was Kristen, right? <laughs> Richard, of this crew, you're gonna be the only one who knows that answer. Honestly, I can I can guarantee you that. So, we'll, readers, you know, please write in and yeah, please uh, uh, remind Richard what happened in 1980 on CBS Television. Well, I'm I'm shocked that I'm topping you all and watching Winning Time in real time. So this is uh on HBO <laughs> as they, man, HBO is just burying this show, man. It's like they cut it to seven episodes, and I go into the Max app for five weeks. It didn't even remind me there's a new episode to watch. I'm like, I couldn't. I had to go search four tiles in, and I'm like. I'll leave my morning time box in the corner, but highly recommend the show. Amazon, Amazon's back in the sports business, everybody. So you can uh, enjoy that. Richard, I'm sure he'll be right on top of that tonight for uh, Thursday night football. Amazon has a football team. <laughs> yep, that's exactly, exactly right. That's a um, takeaway. That sounds <laughs> fun. On that note, uh, you can always follow uh, Elaine still every day, sending out uh, over at strikeguys.com. You can get her free newsletter, evening newsletter to wrap up all these events. Again, totally free at strikeguys.com. And of course, you can subscribe to The Ankler at theankler.com for all of our newsletters and podcasts. And uh, follow The Ankler on the socials at The Ankler. Peter, Elaine, Richard, always a pleasure. Um, We will see what happens next week. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time.